I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of The Joycast, the hap-hap happiest half hour of your week. I cannot believe it, but the holiday season is here. December 1st marks the beginning of Advent, those precious days that we have the opportunity to set them apart to prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. What if this year, instead of an Advent study being another item on the to-do list, you used it and that time to ground yourself in Jesus and unwrap the greatest gift of all? That's one of the reasons I wrote Celebrate Wonder and Joy, 25 Devotions for Advent and Christmas. It combines biblically-based devotions with coloring pages that your entire family can enjoy. With each one you purchase, you get a free pack of eight Jesus is the Best Gift Ever Christmas cards. These are only available at margaretfeinbergstore.com, and we have less than 100 left. So order yours today to arrive by December 1st and before they all sell out. To be honest, friends, the topic of today's podcast has been on my heart for several months. As we enter into the holiday season, I think we need to acknowledge that alongside the celebration and joy and parties and presents, for many of us, this time of year can be one of the most painful times of the year. The holidays have this way of bringing to the surface old wounds and disappointments. They remind us of our broken relationships, the people who have become estranged, the people we desperately miss, and those who we love who are no longer with us. For some of you, you're walking through a dark season, and that is just highlighted by the fact that the holidays are upon us. Perhaps you're facing financial pressures or a brutal custody battle, or the one you love is on suicide watch. Or for some of you, you just lost your job. You're on the brink of losing your house. Or maybe you're in that place where you are sandwiched between caring for aging parents and your own kids, and it just feels like too much. And for some of you, this is the first holiday, this Thanksgiving. Well, if you look at it and you think about what it's going to be like, it feels more like dreadsgiving than Thanksgiving. Maybe you have a sense of dread when you think about that uncle who is going to be at the table who always talks about politics and makes everything so awkward for everyone else. Or maybe you dread the family member who has that way of getting on your last nerve and stomping on it twice. Or maybe for you, the dread is in the fact that no one seems to remember that you're a vegan or that you have a special dietary need. And you know secretly that if you don't bring your own food, there will be nothing for you to eat on Thanksgiving. Sometimes the dread creeps in because of the expectations others put on us. That family member or friend who wants every last sliver of a second of your time or the time of your children. And honestly, with all you're walking through right now, it just, it just feels like too much. Or maybe that little sense of dread inside, it, it comes from the practicality that you're now living in a new place. 
Maybe you don't have anyone to eat Thanksgiving with, or even if you do, you have that quiet, sinking suspicion that you're going to feel like an outsider. And so what I wanted to do in our time together was spend some time equipping you with practical tactics that you can use to break free from dread and enter Thanksgiving with a celebratory heart. And the first tactic is simply this, practice self-care. Now, I think that if there's one season where self-care tends to go out the window, it is the holidays. I mean, there are so many demands and responsibilities that are thrust into your already super busy life. And sometimes the daily practices that perhaps give you life, that renew your soul, that help you to tend to your own spirit, they get pushed to the margins until they disappear completely. But I want to challenge you that practicing self-care, it doesn't begin the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. In fact, that may be the most important day that you're going to have to fight for self-care. And so the question becomes, what can you do for the days leading up to Thanksgiving, even the hours leading up to Thanksgiving, to take care of you? For some of you, it may be carving out, even if it's just 10 or 20 or 30 minutes, to go outside, to take a walk, maybe to go to the gym. You may even want to see if you can squeeze in a one or a two or a three mile, or for some of you overachievers, far more longer turkey trot on Thursday mornings. For some of you, it may be making sure that you schedule a massage. Hint, hint. Sometimes that Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the easiest day to get in because everybody is already so busy. If you're traveling, look for one of those massage chairs in the airport. When I travel, honestly, I have eagle eyes for them. And I usually pack a few ones or $5 bills in my backpack to bring with me. And I just slip into one of those massage chairs and if possible, bring some earbuds, pop on some gentle music and create your own world in what can be otherwise a chaotic and hectic airport environment. If you're at home, you may want to do something that I do and that is slip away to the mall and find a store that is selling massage chairs. And you know, you've got to sit in it because you just need to do a little testing for yourself. And if they ask any questions, just tell them, Margaret sent you, and you're going to be just fine. But look for those simple practices, whether it's eating well the day before Thanksgiving, whether it's carving out some extra time to sit in silence or prayer with Jesus, whether it's playing worship music, whatever you need to do to recharge your batteries so that when you walk into Thanksgiving in an environment that may be awkward or difficult, you are fully charged and you're walking in as your best self. The second tactic I want to encourage you to try is to break free from toxic thinking. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, if you're like me, when you start to dread something, it just gets worse and worse and worse the longer you think about it. I mean, that sense of hesitance, the fear, the anxiety, the worry over so-and-so saying or doing this one thing, or maybe it's you saying or doing the wrong thing that will hurt somebody who's hypersensitive. That problem is that that feeling of dread, it, it is more than just a feeling. It's actually tied to a thought. 
And what happens is when we start thinking those negative and toxic thoughts, they begin influencing our attitudes, which then shape our behaviors, which can manifest themselves in our actions. In other words, you become what you think. And if you start thinking and believing that Thanksgiving is going to be hard and painful and difficult and awkward, well, then you're pretty much signing up for a 100% guarantee that it will be. And so you and I, we have got to stop those negative thought spirals. The question is, how do we do it? And how do we do it quick? And I believe the answer is by replacing those negative thoughts with the truth of Scripture. First, we need to identify What negative thought spirals are we allowing into our minds? For me, it it often starts with this thought that so-and-so is going to do fill in the blank. That action, that statement, that cutting comment, that sense that makes me perhaps feel dismissed or invisible. Uh, It may be that person who wants, just wants to talk about politics, who, who I know is going to make a beeline in the conversation for talking about the impeachment. Or perhaps it's that person who maybe it's only going to talk about themselves or is going to dredge up those embarrassing moments from childhood that I wish would just go away. Or perhaps, like me, you wrestle with that idea that sometimes when you come around your family, they don't see you as the beautiful adult that you have grown and become, but they still see you as that 7 or 9 or 13-year-old. And when you're around them, they make you feel like you're that age. Okay, if that's happening, it is time to beep, beep, beep. We've got to back it up because we have let our mind and our thoughts spiral out of control. And so the first step is to identify what is the negative thought. What is that thought that is starting to grow and spiral into dread that is going to make Thanksgiving so painful and difficult? And the second step is to replace that thought with the truth of who you are in Christ, who you're called to be rooted in scripture. And so what I want to challenge you to do is find one passage, one tiny passage that you can cling to that can become a mantra and a prayer in your mind. It may want to be something like Luke chapter 10, 27, that simply says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Or you may want to cling to Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Or maybe it's Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Or maybe it's Nehemiah 8, 10. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so find that scripture. Start playing that as the primary thought in your mind. When your mind starts to run away towards negativity, replace that thought and refocus and recenter your mind on the truth of scripture, the truth of Christ, and the truth of who God has called you to be as you walk in to this holiday. The third tactic, and perhaps one of the most powerful, is to leverage thanksgiving to engage in a deeper spiritual work. You see, as I've said, there is something about Thanksgiving that has this way of bringing our issues to the surface. Our insecurities, our anxieties, our inadequacies, our fears, our childhood pains and traumas. But what if you, 
were to approach Thanksgiving with a prayer. Lord, show me the deeper spiritual work I need to do in my life to become more like you. Rather than reacting or responding to that person or that word or that situation that brings that place of pain to the surface, what if you immediately took it to Jesus and asked him to heal it? Let me give you an example. I have one person who I've shared Thanksgiving with multiple years who just grates on me. Our personalities could not clash more. But rather than live into the fear of being around this person and developing a 14-prong list of the tactics to avoid him, what if I asked, Lord, what is really driving me? Because to be honest, I already know that that pain point is not really have to do anything with that person. It has to do something that's within me. And honestly, as I have thought and I have prayed about this, fearing that this will come to the surface, I realize that his actions and responses to me all felt hurtful because I already had that place inside of me that was hurting. And again, it had nothing to do with him. You see, whenever I'm around this person, I feel dismissed, sidelined, unheard, and it touches on my own woundedness, a lie that I have wrestled with most of my life that says, I am invisible and no one sees me. And logically, I know, I know this person has no intention of making me feel invisible. That is not his goal. But my own woundedness shapes the lens through which I see him. And so I'm having to do the deeper spiritual work and ask God to heal me. Because this really isn't about him at all. It's about knowing God and experiencing his love and his healing in this area of my life. So what would happen? If you engaged in this Thanksgiving with the intentionality to know and grow in Christ-likeness. Number four, I believe the tactic is this. We have got to realign our expectations. Now, if we're honest, my suspicion is that you may already have this expectation of how you want Thanksgiving to feel and to smell and to taste. You can already kind of breathe in that scent of the turkey in the oven. And some of these expectations are so good. But sometimes our expectations can become so heavy, so thick, that they are more than any holiday or group of people around a table or any meal that honestly often takes 15 hours to prepare and is consumed in less than 15 minutes can ever bear. You see, sometimes we place our expectations on how much time we'll get to spend with a particular person or family member or grandchild. We have this expectation of how they are going to make us feel, how they will meet our needs. The only problem is that when we do it, we make Thanksgiving all about us. But Thanksgiving, it's not about you or me. You see, this is not my Thanksgiving. It is not your Thanksgiving. It is God. Thanksgiving. And because it is all about him, it is all about them. So take some time to ask God, God, where are my expectations out of line with you? Where are they too heavy on the people who I will be at Thanksgiving with? And begin trading your expectations for expectancy, how God wants to show up and show off this Thanksgiving. And finally, tactic number five 
is to look for every opportunity to be a blessing. What if you started praying for every person who is going to be at your Thanksgiving dinner today? What if you listed the friends and family who who can't even attend and began praying for them? What if you prayed for opportunities to speak words of encouragement and life and blessing to every person there? Not trying to fix them or change them, but simply to love them just as Christ does. When I talked about this whole idea of eliminating dread for Thanksgiving with others, I've been amazed at just how it started to spark ideas. I'm hoping it's starting to spark your own creative ideas on how to eliminate the dread of dreads giving and reclaim Thanksgiving. I shared this with my friend Liz Curtis Higgs, and she said, you know, one of the things that I fear and I dread is that the table the food on the table at my Thanksgiving isn't really going to serve some of the, the people who are there. And she said, you know what? I know how I'm going to be a blessing because her family has some members who have really specific dietary needs. She says she always tries to cook around their needs, but it's just hard. Some of the meals don't turn out. They don't taste like what they like, or she stumbles into an ingredient that she didn't know that they couldn't eat. And so she looked at me and she said, Margaret, I know exactly what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to go to the local grocery store and I'm going to let everyone pick out what they want to eat for Thanksgiving and while they're here for the weekend. And then all of their needs are going to be met. I thought, man, what an incredible creative solution. And so here's what I'm asking from you. Will you identify that place of dread or fear or pain about Thanksgiving? And will you prayerfully think, God, What is a creative solution to this? How can I be an overcomer even in this? And would you be willing to go to margaretfeinberg.com forward slash joycast and share that one area where maybe you've got a little dreads giving inside of you and tell us what you're doing to overcome it. You don't even have to use your real name. I mean, use a fake name, use fake initials, use no name at all. But will you join us in this conversation of how we can be a people who truly enter into the holiday season with thanksgiving? Let us be a people who walk in abundant gratitude for all of the good gifts that come from the Father of lights, for in whom there is no shadow. I love you all, and I wish you, I hope for you, and I pray for you. A very happy Thanksgiving. Did you know I have some incredible free gift just for you? Some of you know that in Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers, both the book and the Bible study, I took a culinary journey through the Bible. I descended 410 feet into a salt mine, plucked figs in California, baked bread at Yale University, brought in an olive harvest in Croatia, and graduated from a Stakeology 101 course from a butcher who calls himself the meat apostle. With each person, I asked, how do you read these passages, not as theologians, but in light of what you do every day? And their answers changed the way I read the Bible forever and the way I approach every meal. Now, if you have purchased either the book or the Bible study for Taste and See, you can claim your incredible free gifts at tasteandseebook.com. 
These include memorable meal conversation starters, which will remove the awkward from every table you find yourself at. Beautiful recipe cards, fresh recipes, and more. Again, go to tasteandseebook.com, and if for some reason you don't have your receipt number, simply enter the word JOYCAST instead, and we'll get those downloadable gifts sent to you.